Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Christian friends, it's my privilege to bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in faith out at Gloria Dei Lutheran Church in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. It's a privilege to be with you. Why? It's wonderful to be here with you to, to serve this upcoming week at your soccer camp. I always appreciate finding a new audience for some of the old stories that I have told, to be real honest, is kind of another little perk that comes. I've got an old one for you. The dumbest vacation I ever took. It was just after Christmas, 1996. I flew from Virginia to Bermuda, and I stayed in Bermuda for about an hour, and I left. Now, does that make any sense at all? You would think December, you know, you're out there, it's islandy, it's warm, it's sunny, it's nice. It was because I was meeting my brother. My brother is part of the U.S. Navy. They were coming back from a deployment in the Persian Gulf. We were going out to meet their ship and then ride aboard their ship back to Norfolk, Virginia, where it was based. Now that would be kind of a neat opportunity, except they almost canceled this entire trip because the seas were rough, about 18 to 25 feet as you came across the Gulf Stream. I don't know if that means anything to you. Think of waves the size of two-story buildings. And even though we were on a ship that was very, very substantially sized, it was a little bit brutal. I'll kind of show you and give you a little bit of, a, of an example. You go down to the galley where you're going to get your food, and you're grabbing that tray. You've got your glass and your plate and your silverware, and it was about all I could do to get my, my tray from, from that, that food line over to my chair to where I was going to sit without falling and dumping it on somebody else. It's very interesting, and I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to really see the power that's there out on the open sea. The, the power as, as God flexes his muscles, God is the one who created all of those things. We have an opportunity to see a little snippet here of God's word where Paul and Luke, about 270 plus other people are experiencing that firsthand. And it's my hope and my prayer that we can learn some things, some things that might apply to our Christian lives as we look to serve our God and keep our eyes focused on things above. If you turned in your worship folder to the first lesson there, it's on page six. A couple of things. Pastor Schultz already told us this is why Paul is on this boat. He was in trouble. He was arrested as a Roman citizen he had the right to appeal to the highest court in the land. That court was in Rome, so now he needed to get across the Mediterranean Sea. If, if you take a look at that first lesson, it's something that just makes me, me laugh, and I, I was kind of interested how he was going to pronounce that word in verse 2. Now, I've got several diplomas that hang on my wall. I'm going to tell you that's not a word that I really know. I don't know how they do it here at Cross of Life if you have Bible studies where you have people that take a, a turn reading a portion of God's word. If you're like me, you kind of look ahead at what might be coming. You want to volunteer for a section of God's word that's not too long, maybe a little short, and then you want to make sure and volunteer for a lesson or a section that doesn't have words like that in it. Not words like 
Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. You maybe would shy away from that, but, but it is something that's very, very interesting. Uh, throughout, really, the entire book of Acts, we have some of these long and complicated words. Very often, those words are, are usually describing a person or a place. And this is where it gets interesting. In, in a world that might not look at God's word as coming from God, as, as we believe, they don't look at it as something that is inspired by God. They call it a fairy tale. Now, I don't know about your fairy tales that you heard as a kid, but the ones that I heard, how do they usually start? Once upon a time in a far away land. You know, isn't that usually how it goes? So you're not really talking about anything specific when it comes to time, and you're not really talking about anything specific when it comes to place. But boy, isn't that neat? You know, over and over in Scripture, names, dates, places, th these are real things, real episodes of time that are carved out for us. That's just kind of an interesting thing. A couple of other interesting things here. Things are not going well for a group of sailors that have a level of experience. Even their passengers have a level of experience traveling in the Mediterranean, and they know that it's not going to be nice all the time. It was obviously pretty nautical out there, as they say. When you have in this reading them trying to make the lifeboat secure, that's just step one. Things obviously aren't going real, real well, but then it gets a whole lot worse. We hear that they passed ropes under the ship to hold it together. Do you understand what that's saying? They're taking pieces of rope, having it get dropped and then roped up the other side to kind of build a cocoon around the hull of the ship in the hopes that these ropes will keep all the, the planks together. That sounds pretty scary to me. If on board my brother's ship, which, thank God, was made of metal and not of wood, if they would have started doing that, that would have definitely made my heart go pity-pat at that point. If I would have started to see some of the sailors start to chuck cargo over the side, and remember, this is their motivation. They don't do this job for free. Your profit is tied to your cargo, and then if that isn't bad enough, we hear in that first lesson, they start throwing over the ship's tackle. I don't know if you understand what tackle is. For me, I think of tackle, and I, I am not an outdoorsy kind of guy. I think of tackle that you've got this little tiny tackle box, and you keep some lures in there and some fishing line and the needle-nose pliers and that kind of stuff. No, tackle here, this is the the block and tackle, the pulleys that you would use to raise and lower sails. These are the sails themselves, the ropes that they would use to raise and lower. They were trying to get rid of all the ballast that they could because things were that bad. Bad enough that we hear Luke write, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Pretty rough stuff going on there. Interesting, Paul has an opportunity and he stands up and gives some encouragement. It's been a long time. They've been without food. Paul stands up and says, Men, you should have taken my advice. In the previous verses, we hear that, that Paul has a vision. He, he gathers everybody together and says, You know, things are looking pretty good right now. 
But I have it on good authority from God that things are not going to go so well for us here. They gathered together. They did something pretty democratic and I think pretty logical. Captains and sailors wanted to be paid. The soldiers maybe weren't going to put their stock in what some prisoner was going to say. So they voted to leave. Now Paul has an opportunity here and it sounds an awful lot like Paul is going to say, men, you should have taken my advice and not sail from Crete. That Paul is saying what? You know you hate it when people say this to you. I told you so. Yeah, that probably wouldn't have gone over real well at this point in time, and that's not where he ends up going. He goes on to say, I urge you, keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. So keep up your courage, men, here right at the end of that first lesson, for I have faith in God. He's able to share that faith. He's, he's basically rounding up the players and trying to give them kind of an inspirational halftime speech because the chips are absolutely down and certainly stacked against them at this point in time. It was a time of crisis. Things looked pretty bleak. The storm had raged on for many days. It says, neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days. Now, why would that be a particular problem at this point in time if you're going to be doing some sailing? No stars, no sun, means what? Yeah, there's no GPS right now, right? You're going to need to get out your, your sextant. You're going to need to be able to get out your charts and do some marking. They were lost. They had given up hope. And in a time of crisis, things seem to get a little bit better and a little bit worse at the same time. All of a sudden, they can hear waves crashing, which means there's land. Oh, those people. They must have longed to put their feet there on land. You can bet that these would have been folks that, that would have been you know, leaning down and kissing the ground when they got there. But what would have been problematic? Waves crashing... There's land, but there might be reefs, there might be rocks. This may not turn out all that well for them. So they started doing soundings. They tried to figure out what the depth was, throwing ropes over, had a little weight tied to it, and it started getting shallower and shallower. It seemed like, again, a time to, to hit the panic button here, and the soldiers did it. Under the pretense that they're lowering some anchors, what were the sailors looking to do? Lower the boat so they could get gone. This isn't you know, the kind of sailor at this point that's saying, we're going to go down with the ship. It was more of a, see you guys later, let us know how it works out for you. Some frightening things. Paul, the prisoner, has definitely, he's got some gifts. We hear and we understand and some experts say that he was one of the wisest and most intelligent people of his era. He also has uh, an ability to stand up and to take the reins of leadership. He does that. He is a tattletale. He rats out these sailors. He goes to the soldiers and say, if those guys get gone, we're all in a world of hurt here. So the soldiers stopped the sailors from jumping over the side of the ship. Paul's gifts of leadership. 
the fact that God put him where he wanted him, it turns out to be something that had the utmost importance. Change. You might be able to think of, of changes that you've had in your life, positive changes, negative changes. As a, a pastor, of, now this is the, the third parish that I've served, change often when it comes to, to being a pastor or to being a Christian, it gives you opportunity. Somebody is relocating because they're starting a new job, that's a change, they're, they're moving to a new place, we have an opportunity to invite them to our church home. They have a, a new child that's being born. Oh, what a wonderful opportunity to encourage them as they, they might look to raise that child in the way of the Lord. Some of the changes that we might see, not so positive. It can be a change in health. It can be the loss of a loved one. We look at these changes as opportunities. You and I might have gone through some of these kinds of changes in our own lives. And looking back, we can see the impact that those may have had on us. That maybe somebody told us, take heart. Be encouraged. You might feel like you're just as lost as being out on the, the open sea in the middle of a storm, not having seen the, the sun or the stars let me give you some direction. Let me give you something to look at, to, to focus on. Take heart. Be confident that God is truly in control. Sadly for us as Christians, people that maybe have gone through changes, people that, that know that Jesus is Lord and Savior, we still find ourselves struggling with whatever life might throw at us. I, I checked with my, my niece and nephews. I said, now, did they show one of my favorite TV shows here in, in Canada? Uh, on Tuesday nights in my house, I'm, I'm usually completely alone watching. Deadliest Catch is must-see TV for me. I usually watch completely alone because I say to my wife, hey, would you like to watch Deadliest Catch? And she goes, let me guess what's going to happen this episode. They're going to use bad language, they're going to smoke cigarettes, and they're going to catch crab. I've already seen that episode before. I can't get enough of these guys, though. They're out there. They're real men. They're, they're catching crab. They're bringing it home. They're dealing with whatever Mother Nature throws at them. They've seen it all. And they've seen storms. But you still see some rogue wave that's going to come and wash over their boat as they fish in the Bering Sea. And all of a sudden, they're hitting alarms. They're saying, duck. They're saying, watch out. Some frightening things. Sailors, that's who Jesus recruited to be his disciples, right? He said, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. They left their boats and they left their nets. Well, maybe not completely, because Jesus still used those boats to go out there, use the natural amphitheater that surrounds the Sea of Galilee, preached the word of God to the throngs of people that were there. And we hear of an episode that after he was done preaching, he was tired, he was looking to go away, maybe rest, relax, continue to instruct these disciples who, who over and over got to hear the word coming to them from the source that Jesus was the Savior of the world. They go and they set out to that Sea of Galilee and all of a sudden there's a storm. And this is a storm that even these sailors, who I hope 
didn't smoke and didn't use the bad language and all of those things, but they had seen it all, just like those guys fishing off of Alaska. They were hitting the panic button. And the question that they had for Jesus, who was asleep, don't you care? Don't you care with what's going on right outside of this boat? It, it seems like all will be lost. And all Jesus had to say was, peace, be still. And he controlled the wind and the waves and the weather. When we find ourselves dealing with whatever change, especially negative change that might come our way, when we find ourselves struggling and searching and wondering what we should hold on to or grab on to, know who our Lord and Savior is. He was human. He needed to take a nap there on that boat. But he was most certainly also God, that he controlled everything. Everything. Even the things that we don't really control, like the weather, and we wish we could control, they answered to him. That is our Lord and Savior. That is the one who came to this earth, took on humanity, that dual nature, true man and true God, in order to make salvation ours. That he was willing to lay down his life for us, yet that one death had ramifications for all people of all time. That's a wonderful, comforting message that gives us peace, that stills our hearts, that can sometimes be wildly frustrated when we see that the will of God and how it's playing out is certainly far from the way that we would like things to turn out. We have the opportunity to share that same message of peace with other people, just as we hear Paul sharing that message. The powerful hand of the Lord put Paul in another setting. We hear that the storm lasted for 14 days. And Paul says, maybe it's time for us to grab a bite to eat. Maybe there's some reasons why they weren't eating. Obviously a stressful situation. Maybe some of you stress eat. But this was one where it didn't really afford stress eating because there's definitely a seasickness factor going on here. Even these guys that might be used to being out on the sea, things are going up and down at a pretty rapid rate. Yet Paul says, hey, let's, let's gather together. We're going to make sure that we're not going to be hangry with each other. You guys know what that term is? It comes up in our family. Sometimes my wife is going, honey, do you need a snack? Let them calm down, focus in. And where Paul has them focus, as they gather together to do a little bit of eating in the Jewish tradition, in front of them all, he says the blessing. Now that might seem to be very, very simple. It's something that he did hundreds of times in his life. You might think that there would be some in that that audience that he had that said, we've got a few other things going on right now. Things are kind of falling apart. You're really going to say, hey, let's stop and take time for this. Let's get to eating and let's get back to work here. But he stopped and doing something just that simple. And every day he used that to have them focus on things above. It wasn't just a message of encouragement, a message that I've got a connection, God has spoken to me, he sent an angel to say this to me, but we have an opportunity to give thanks to God 
even in this situation, which train wreck, shipwreck, certainly that looked like how that was how that was going to turn out. In our lives, some simple things, simple conversation, people that are struggling with something, people that are watching us as we struggle with real challenges in our lives, we have some of those simple opportunities that are laid right at our feet. Take those opportunities, pray for those opportunities, make the most of those opportunities to focus people on things above. It can be just simple as you give God glory. Somebody says, man, it's really amazing how you handled this, this, this project and everybody was on you and say, well, I knew who was really in control. It's my God that was in control. Glorify him. Serve him. Say the blessing as you gather together with your family at a restaurant on a Sunday afternoon or an evening or, or whenever it might be. It's through some of these simple things that God gives us opportunities to maybe take conversations a little bit deeper. Paul, we, we hear in Scripture, was shipwrecked three times. So if you're ever going to go out on a Caribbean cruise, don't invite Paul along. Might be something that you would say, this is obviously what we learn. Uh, certainly there's other things that are here. Shipwreck after shipwreck after shipwreck Paul's faith was still there. He used those opportunities and made the most of those opportunities. In the course of this shipwreck, everybody was looking for something to, to grab onto, to hold onto in order to make land. What is it that you look to, look to grab onto? What can you encourage people to hang onto that will give life? At the end of my dumbest vacation of all time, we pulled into port, and I got to see an amazing reunion. It was a six-month deployment for these sailors, and there was uh, members of that crew, uh, two specific ones that I remember that were in my, my brother's birthing area, that were going to get off the ship first because they had four-month-olds that they had never seen before. You want to talk about a reunion. You want to talk about people that are happy to see each other. That's what we look forward to. Our God, who certainly is in control, who sent his son to be our savior, we look forward to seeing him again. This God that still kept everything in motion for Paul to get closer and closer to Rome so he could share the word. Everything that's happened in your life, God's been in control and put you in the place you are at this point in time to share that message that gives people peace and confidence and encouragement. It's wonderful for us to be gathered together around word and sacrament so that we can be built up and make the most of these opportunities to keep our eyes focused on things above. Amen.